Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What's up, y'all? Sean here. So this is a pretty crazy sport, isn't it? We had this whole episode done, produced, scheduled, everything, and then bang, middle of the night, John Jones is injured, Steve Miocic's fight, suddenly off, UFC 295. So why do I mention that? Well, as you find out, we, we referenced Jones versus Miocic a few different times throughout this episode, kind of comes here and there. I think the conversation still works. It's not really the biggest deal, definitely not anything worth scrapping the episode for. But I just wanted to mention that before we get going to give y'all some context. This was taped Monday afternoon before everything went down. Love y'all. Thanks for listening. Let's go Diamondbacks. What is up, my friends? We are back. We are back. This is the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. I am Sean O'Shadi, and I hope you're all out there. Just enjoying your week, I gotta say. It is really the best time of year, isn't it? I mean, you got Halloween, the air, the NBA season kicking off. Hell, the Arizona Diamondbacks might be in the World Series by the time you're listening to this. Who knows? And we're hitting the meatiest meat of the year-end MMA schedule. I love it so much. And so what better way to enjoy it than to share it with your friends? We've got the whole gang here. The Iron Fist behind the MMA Fighting Rankings panel. The Enforcer if you will, the Prince of Positivity. He's the king of the North. He's a man of many names. Alexander K. Lee, also joined by our, two of our best buds, Mike Hack, Jed Mishu, the stars of the podcast network. You already know them. Important question, fellas, to start. How deep are your Halloween vibes going? Like, you, are we decorating the house over here? Are we putting up a whole scary setup outside in the front yard? Are we just straight ignoring it? Like, what's, what's, what's the locales looking like? Do they even celebrate Halloween in Canada, AK? We do quite, quite vigorously. Um, but I'm in a condo. Quite vigorously. <laughs> There's not like a ton of young like families in the condo either. So it's not like it's not like we can do one of those things where, oh, you know, everyone, you know, take the kids to certain floors. And uh, we can't really we can't really do that. There's some kids, but I don't think enough. So I'm going to be pretty absent. I Maybe I'll go visit my parents place. Maybe I'll go help them out. Um, they are still in a house on a, in a nice neighborhood, but even they don't get a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Halloween traffic. So, very light festivities up north for uh, so, so 
no spooky spider webs on your balcony or anything like this. I have one thing I like to do when during Halloween. I have what this old this ten dollar or like five dollar mask I bought. This mask, scary monkey mask that I bought like eight years ago, and I just like to walk around the street and creep people. So if you guys see me on the street staring at you, say hello. <laughs> That's really disconcerting. <laughs> I, I have no words. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know how to words. react to this. Yes. Well, obviously in the heck household, because we have a 10 year old, he's still into it, but I think he's on the back nine of caring about Halloween. So what? You know, really? At 10? I'll say 10 is young. 10 is 12, young 13, to not care. 10. Halloween's like the 12, money 13. holiday. Yeah. I think high school is when I would, I, is when I sort of oh, stopped. Oh like, no. It's earlier than that. It's I like definitely, 13, I definitely tapered off much, much sooner than that. But he likes what, the candy. What, what grade are 10 year olds then? Like, Fifth, like fourth? It's in, yeah, it's either fourth or fifth grade. Fourth or fifth, yeah, yeah. That's about. I I ended up pretty quickly in middle school. I don't know, seventh grade probably was around the last time I. Yeah, cared. that feels and like there's the that place to approach. There's also that section of high school where like you're you're taking part in the festivities for other reasons, you know. Yes. So it's <laughs> it's it's no longer decorate the house and go trick or treating. It's hey, there's gonna be a toga party and let's see what everybody's wearing yeah it's got to be like a if halloween you're following my cool. drift i'm desperately attempting to avoid an hr summons <laughs> yes uh my my son is killing it in the costume world he's the stay puffed marshmallow man this year and it's oh. incredible Dude, it's do kids, it. do kids know the stay puffed marshmallow man i that my was my died. reaction I didn't see the newer, the two newer Ghostbusters movies. I assume there's a he's in them in some way. I don't know if it might he's be a callback, but it yeah. would, I doubt it would be like a, a major was, role. You know, yeah, like the first Ghostbusters it, movie. So. Yeah, yeah, he's but dope. he's way to raise a cool he's, kid. He's the OG. He's the OG from the original movie. That's that's what he's rocking. He's got the one. It's got the air package inside. You flip a switch and he gets all. Oh, that's dope. All marshmallowy. Oh. oh yeah, he he's, goes the full nine. So very proud of him this Halloween season. I I humbly demand that whenever he puts this on to go trick or treating, you send a picture of it on our Slack so that we can all understand. Because this sounds tremendous. I will. Uh, I have to DJ a trunk or treat at his school on Friday, oh, nice. so I'll take pictures. I'll probably dress as a pizza, much as I did last year, and we'll go from there. Love it. You love to hear it. I see. I. I I'm with you, Jed. Like you, you fall out of it for a while and you're like your twenties and then you circle back around. My wife is, I don't know if you guys have ever seen modern family, but like she's essentially Claire on modern family where like Claire just <laughs> loves Halloween to like a really dangerous degree and like really rackets, rotches it up to like trying to scare people in a way that is kind of like not okay. Like kind of just like borderline whether it's okay. So our house just looks insane right now. Like you look at the front yard, there's, spiders ghouls caution tape like it's just full Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a bear be a grizzly you know don't just oh, put yeah. up some cobwebs and call it a day like commit you know commit oh she's a grizzly she's a grizzly oh, uh, i respect that in the spirit of the ranking show one last thing most important question we probably answer all day rank the holidays gentlemen halloween thanksgiving christmas how we rank in this that's this is not even a contest if if you're not going christmas thanksgiving halloween what are we doing what are you even doing? It's I'm very not a, clear. I'm not a big Christmas guy, so I'll go Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, and Halloween cannot be. How? Explain Halloween how Thanksgiving. 
Christmas, Christmas. Thanksgiving Christmas is, is just Christmas without gifts attached as Christmas well. Is, yeah, you and have it's, to, and it's not a month long. Christmas yeah, is to, much better. You have to get gifts for people too, which sucks. That so. is super valid. <laughs> you also don't super, have to do super that. Valid. One, I love I love giving gifts. Like I think that that's super fun. But you don't have to do that. You can just like white elephant it or you know Secret Santa and just do you one. love giving gifts now. Wait until you have a family. You have to give gifts to. Then it's a little more difficult. You're like, right. I was born without a family. No, no, you know what I, I mean. I just arose from no, 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 no. You know what I mean. When it's like kids, wife, like all this, like no, and it's a lot you, more difficult. Kids are the easiest people to give gifts <laughs> for. They tell you what they want. Try getting a gift for your father who has never told you a single thing he wants because he will buy it himself i know this it's still fun that's part of the joy is solving the puzzle of getting it and if they hate it well then they didn't tell you so it's fine it's a stress-free risk-free endeavor plus you get the big feast like you do with thanksgiving yes. and togetherness and it all happens over the course of a month and look i don't know are there three Thanksgiving movies? No, because it's it's a fun holiday that is just the Kickstarter to Christmas, and then there's a billion Christmas movies. Uh, first of all, awesome. uh, Thanksgiving is supposed to be celebrated in October. That's how we do it in Canada, so it's actually quite far away from Christmas. Uh, I know you guys have this weird November <laughs> the Thanksgiving. The roll on Mike Heck right now. Whatever. I, uh, honestly, we can... We can start our, our Christmas season in October. I mean, we basically do it in America anyway. Go to, go to Target. They're already putting out Christmas stuff. Also, winter sucks is the other thing. Uh, we have very Whoa. bad winters up here. Well, yeah, he's in Canada. That's, I'm in Canada. I that's a lot I more applicable that's than Arizona. Yeah, you're in Arizona and Georgia. It's like 71 degrees outside right now. It's lovely. And now South, Car South Carolina. But no, I hate AK, winter so much. And I love the, the fall. So I associate Thanksgiving with beautiful fall, like autumnal fall weather as well. Even though AK, it's... The time, yeah, yeah. the time we met up in Toronto was in, in the winter. Does and that, that was great. Not, Same. That not add the only special? time I've met and, up with AK was in the winter. And those are two of the greatest moments of my life, but they don't make up for a lifetime of, of winter and Christmas. What trauma. about lifetime movies? Is, does that help you get through the winter? Depends who you ask. I think Rom-coms. Yeah, with, a lot of where a big city girl goes back yeah. to the rural town to find the spirit of Christmas and the love for life. Yeah. Thanksgiving, not... Thanksgiving does not have a lot of pop culture things related to it. I was like, there is no all I want for Thanksgiving is you, for example. So I on that sense, Christmas has a big advantage, but I'm a, I'm a Thanksgiving guy, I think. Yeah. So I Thanksgiving is my number two. It's great. I love Thanksgiving, but Christmas is just the superiorist of holidays. Plus, there's not even the like weighty awfulness of, you know, the historical accuracy and what Thanksgiving mm. probably actually is versus yeah, we like, what we can uh, celebrate. <laughs> well, we, we can move on from there. But you're right. I mean, you got the order right. It's Christmas, Thanksgiving, Halloween, and I will accept yeah. no other answers. Uh, so here we are, gentlemen. Another big UFC pay-per-view in the books. And I mean, at this point by now, we have all written plenty about this fight. We have spoken plenty about Islam Makachev. But really... He achieved something even more special than I think we first realized this past weekend. Something that only comes around maybe like once or twice in a generation. Because y'all, just to peel back the curtain a little bit, we here at MMA Fighting, we can't really agree on anything. Like actually anything. Like literally whatever you think anything is, we can't agree on it. We have eight people on this team's ranking panel. And if you told us to rank, what, our favorite basketball teams in Canada, there would be five Toronto Raptors votes, one vote for like the 1995 Vancouver Grizzlies and one vote for some random team in the Canadian Basketball League. And then maybe Joe Quebec's local rec league gets a vote too. Like this is just a website where we can't get eight people on the same page about anything. 
I mean, we even John Jones, like we have. Look, I will not stand for this Ottawa Blackjacks erasure. <laughs> See, Thank this is what much. I'm talking about. That's we can't impressive. even get eight people to agree that John Jones is the number one heavyweight in a world where Francis Ngannou is disqualified from ranking because of inactivity. And yet somehow we can't agree on John Jones being the best heavyweight jet. I'm looking at you. And so somehow <laughs> I stand by it. <laughs> Islam Makachev found a way to cut through all of that, to puncture straight through all of that noise and fly like an arrow directly into our hearts. Because if you pull up the MMA fighting pound for pound rankings on this Tuesday, you're going to see a miracle people. You're going to see Islam Makachev, the unanimous, the consensus Number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. He is the only other male fighter other than Kamar Usman to be able to claim this kind of feat over the last couple of years we've been doing this. And so I go to you, AK. You're the key holder to these rankings. You're the man who does the math for the MMA fighting secret formula whenever we do these ballots. Does it warm your cold heart to see this kind of team unity that this week has welcomed into our lives? It does so much. I, I had to look back a bit when I was trying to figure out because I, I, I actually wasn't sure if we'd ever had a unanimous. I forgot that that Kamaru actually had been unanimous for a while. I think maybe good stretch Dude, his of run was yeah six undeniable. months at, at least six months. It was certainly when we I think when we started the no maybe not when we started. I think but it was when we started. It was and no, I think John was still involved in that when we maybe started. Maybe John was still involved because he wasn't in twenty twenty one. But either way, either way, yeah, and, and I I love to see it. Uh, and and I think. I don't, and I like it because I don't know if we'd agreed upon it that this is what we were all going to do. Um, after the first Volkanovsky Makachev fight, there was a clear divide. Not, and, and, you know, the, the closeness of the fight, I think, helped Volkanovsky's case a lot. I think we all agreed Makachev won, but just the fact that Volkanovsky did so well kind of brings into frame the whole, like, well, what does pound for pound mean? And it was easy to imagine, well, if Volkanovsky was, you know, if you could take away the physical advantages that Makachev has, and go skill for skill, then Volkanovski is a better fighter. So I think we still had two people with Volkanovski. And then uh, John Jones came back. He got a couple of votes. And uh, Volk- uh, Makachev had the remaining four. So And then Volkanovski took it back after beating uh, after beating a year. So I, I'm kind of glad that we if we have anything unanimous in our rankings, uh, like I don't like some of the divisions we do, but for our men's pound for pound to have Islam number one, I think is great. I also like that it, it spits in the face of the UFC's rankings which have uh, John Jones number one. Because I'll tell you, if you go to the comments on, uh, you know, we have that graphic, our pound for pound ranking. Uh, it's on Twitter, Instagram. It's on, I don't know, our WhatsApp probably. I keep forgetting we even have have that. They'll check that out. It's pretty, it's pretty active. And uh, on our YouTube community, all so many comments like, oh, John Jones is the real number one. John Jones is the real number one. Well, guess what, guys? It's the only rankings that matters. We're going with the best fighter in the best division in the world who has, again, has one not who I don't want to say fluke one tough knockout victory that happened a lifetime ago. Other than that, the dude has been untouchable. Could his resume be stronger? Uh, maybe could he stop talking about fighting the other divisions? Definitely. But at this moment, the fact is he's the best 155 in the world, as far as we know. And that merits a unanimous number one pound for pound ranking. I think I have one question, AK. I mm-hmm. have one question, AK, since yeah. you monitor the comments. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a really important one. Oh boy. What did Jamal Hill say? <laughs> <laughs> Has not commented, but uh, as Shaheen pointed out to us uh, earlier today, actually, uh, we did have one of the fighters comment, Demetrius Johnson, who's sitting pretty at number six, the highest ranked non-UFC fighter, obviously, saying, uh, my old, uh, laughing emoji, my old ass still in there. <laughs> so I that was nice. DJ. You kind He's of so love DJ so much. Can I, can I admit that I am shocked that this happened? Because 
I thought, I mean, I thought Islam would take the top spot, but when I saw you had him, unanimous, we should say, we should say you were, you were one of his number one votes. You had him, you've had him number one since I had him number uh, one forever. Uh, yeah, and I for a while. acknowledge that I actually probably should have swapped him out after Volk one. Um, just for, cause it's like, you know, I, I want it to be more against of a, a year. have you done one for against, me One against a year, you mean? One against a year, yeah, you mean? Yeah, you can say a year, yeah. Um, but I just thought for sure that somebody would keep John Jones at number one. Um, cause I know a couple people had him there and yes, we so had was one it panelist even had, you know, Makachev behind both Jones and, um, and Volkanovsky. So well, the I UFC thought, did too. The yeah. UFC.com. Oh, UFC. Yeah. I, I, I thought when this happened, I was like, okay, well probably because of the way it happened, even with the extraneous circumstances, I think he'll probably move in front of Volk for everybody. But I just sort of assumed that the people who were believing in John Jones for the sake of it. Because to me, a win over Cyril Gaon does not a top pound for pound fighter make. But you know, if that's if that's your bag, I assumed you'd stay in there. But uh, it would appear that some people, hand up, that's me, may have suggested coming into this fight with with Alexander Volkanovsky that Islamakachev didn't have much to gain. And I still think that might be somewhat true, but I don't know. He gained whatever he could because he's the I, I I I would not have thought he'd be the unanimous number one heading into 294, even if he won. But the way he did it appeared to sway some hearts and minds. Yeah, D- Damon uh, Damon Martin was one of our holdouts, and uh, I was very surprised actually, especially with John Jones fighting in a month. He could have been completely justified and just waiting to see the result of that fight. But I think Damon, if you're out there, I don't mean to speak for you. I think our Ohio boy is predicting he's getting ahead of a Stipe Miocic upset and dropping John Jones prematurely. <laughs> so, so he'll look like a genius. OH, David, OH. And if you're I out there, you can Stipe respond. pulls it off. I've, <laughs> when he inevitably doesn't, that's not going to influence my ranking of John Jones whatsoever. I don't think it can't. Yeah, well, let's talk about that later. But <laughs> Stipe hasn't fought in like three years. Let's go on. Yeah, I've got to think about it. So, so Mike, um, I'm curious for your thoughts, because I've seen a lot of reaction to this number one once we posted it over this week. And like these guys are saying, it's decidedly like split into two camps, right? Like, I think half the people seem to agree with us. I mean, Islam, longest current win streak in the UFC, just beat a top one, two or three pound for pound fighter twice this year, depending on where you had Volk. Second title, which pretty brutally definitive, right? Like at this point, there's not a question. Of course, he's number one. And then the other half of people out there. Plenty of people probably listening to this right now, screaming in their heads that we're all idiots for the exact conversation we just had about John Jones continuing to be flabbergasted that it's Islam ahead of Jones. What do you say to those people to that argument? Do you think they have a case? No, because he beat Cyril Ghosn and not Francis Ngannou. Like if he beat Francis Ngannou, we're not having the same conversation right now. If he goes out and finishes Francis in a minute, we're, I don't think we're having the same conversation. I think John's number one with the bullet. Whatever happened in February doesn't mean anything. That's just, that's how I feel. And I think that's how most feel. But I think a lot of people felt like Cyril was just, I'm not saying he was there for a paycheck, but he was just kind of plan B and plan A became once Francis was not coming back. Like, let's just get John in there with anybody. And he's kind of got the cream puffiest stylistic matchup that he could get. A guy with pretty much no ground game whatsoever. And John just manhandled him. A guy who wasn't ready for that kind of pressure. Well, Francis would have been ready for that kind of pressure. So I think the opponent, how he did it, I think has a lot to do with it. And then on the flip side, I'm one of those people who ranked Islam Makachev above Volkanovsky after 284 because he won the fight. So to me, 
I, I just had no <laughs> crazy. There's just concept. no way you could. Yeah, he won. And I don't care. Well, Volk should have won. No, 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 no. Islam won. And I think the more you watch that fight, the more you realize Islam won more convincingly than you thought watching it live. And I think most people I've talked to about that fight have said the same thing down the line. Makachev had a lot to gain here and may not be because of rankings. Makachev needed this for himself. He is free of Alexander Volkanovsky for the rest of his career at this point because there's no more questions anymore. There's no more robbery questions. There's closure. You don't get a lot of closure in MMA. And Islam Makachev got it and he's got it forever. There is nothing a Volkanovsky fan can say to Islam Makachev anymore that will that make sure he doesn't laugh in your face. Makachev will laugh in your face. And for a hot minute, I had Makachev and Volk kind of 1A, 1B. Volk wins. He's 1A. Makachev drops to 1B. John beating Cyril Gan and Stipe in the same calendar year will be great, but it's not going to put him above what Islam Makachev has done. This winning streak is ridiculous. John has a really long winning streak as well, but it's just not the same. He was out for three years. He got an easy matchup on the way back. Islam is just beating dudes. He John actually your- doesn't have that long a winning streak, by the way, because there is a no contest. There is a no so contest. Undefeated just streak. Throwing Unde- that out undefeated there. undefeated just streak. Undefeated. For the but sake also, of syntax. Yeah, but I also like deep down care about that, but in the long... But he definitely knocked out Daniel Cormier. Oh, yeah. In my so, mind, he knocked out Daniel Cormier and Daniel That's Cormier reasonable as well. You got to give Makachev the credit, man. I know John's the bigger name and the bigger star. We were waiting three years for him to come back, and he did it in impressive fashion. It did big numbers, and the pay-per-view did well. And I get all of that, but Islam is the best friggin' fighter in the world right now, and he should be anointed as such, and he should be treated as such. So if UFC.com and those people don't want to do it, the best damn website on planet Earth with the best damn rankings panel on planet Earth will do it for you. Islam is number one, and he should be number one. In particular, too, right? Because this was not like Islam Makachev has evolved to such a degree that I don't know that I ever thought he would get to this point where he's knocking fools out with head kicks, right? Like this is not Habib smothering everybody into infinity. Like this is a different. He is so multifaceted in a way that I didn't expect him to get to. So and I've been thinking about this a lot since after two ninety or uh, yeah two ninety four, um, because it for whatever reason it really stuck out to me. And one of the things that I really love about this sport is seeing how long time training partners evolve together and in concert. And so like when people think of Nate Diaz, they, they think of him to some extent like Nick Diaz, but pretty clearly Nate's style is very different and it is very different in the ways that would come if you spent every day of your life fighting Nick Diaz. And here are the things Nick's going to do. And here's how I have to respond. And Islam is a guy who can do a lot of the stuff Habib did, but some of his best positions are, for instance, in this fight, when he is has his back against the fence in a clinch position. And he was winning that position against Alexander Volkanovsky. That position, Jack Slack did a great breakdown of it. He took that position, landed a bunch of knees, and then moved into the collar tie that really gave Volk problems that immediately had Volkanovsky disengage and ultimately set up the, the finishing head kick. And you can see why he got good at that because Habib was just always on his ass and putting him <laughs> into the fence. So you get like Luke Rockhold had the most incredible counter wrestling game I've ever seen because he was at AKA and couldn't wrestle with Daniel Cormier and Kane Velasquez. So he had to learn these other skills. I think Islam's game is very different than Habib's and there are parts of it that are the same that he can replicate, but those parts that Habib did, he's never going to be the same kind of guy. 
but instead he has a ton of other skills and he is still getting better. I think that's one of the really big takeaways I had from 294 as well is, yeah, he is a much more sophisticated striker than Habib ever was. And he's still improving. He came out there and he's 31. He is in the full peak of his athletic ability and it is all coalescing really well. And so I don't think we need to have the conversation of Islam versus Habib as, you know, it's way it's unnecessary. And ultimately that's, Agreed. that's just not even Agreed. going to be a conversation, I think, because Islam's career will be so different. Um, but he's dude, he's the best fighter in the world. And I said this coming off the first one, less of some of the argument was, yeah, he beat him and that's what the stakes were purported to be. But a lot of it was guys. I don't know if you recognize this, he outgrappled him and he outstruck him. Like he lost the fifth round. Yes. But for the 20 of the 25 minutes, he was winning the striking exchanges and winning the grappling exchanges. Simply what more can you want from a man than beating one of the best fighters of all time in all phases of the game. So yeah, uh, he's the best fighter in the world. John Jones absolutely has an argument. If you are just looking at his skills, I don't think resume has an argument whatsoever unless you're talking about lifetime resume. And to me, that's a very different thing Yeah, because yeah. John Jones's recent resume is so it's I'll, not good. That's actually, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I think something mm -hmm. that I've been thinking about over the past few days, when Sean Strickland beat Izzy earlier this year, that put him at three Oh for the year. One of the biggest upsets ever. It kind of felt at that point, like he had pole position on fighter of the year race, right? Still think he does. So I want to ask about that. Cause it felt like at the moment that it would take something fairly unique or extraordinary for anybody to sort of suppress his resume for 2023, whether that was John Jones, Islam, Leon Edwards, whoever. And yet I will say this Saturday felt fairly extraordinary, right? Like from the matchup to the finish, we didn't really see much of this coming. And so I wonder, because I've been wondering myself. So I ask you guys, if you could rank the current fight of the year candidates, and potential candidates between fighter those four names, fighter of the year. Fighter, yeah. Okay. Between those four guys, because those are kind of the top four Islam, Jones, Leon Edwards, Sean Strickland. Obviously, we have a couple months to go and a couple of results to go. But did this past weekend nudge Islam into a sneaky front runner for anybody on your ballots? Not for me. Um, I've, I, I think this past weekend put him on my ballot, which he would, there was like a possibility he would not have been. Um, Again, I, I said it or at, at the top of this. He he won way more than I thought he could with his performance because um, I I'm very on the record with this. I, I absolutely respect the accomplishment of beating Alexander Volkanovsky twice in a year. You got to beat somebody else. You can't just beat the same dude over and over again. It's why I didn't vote for Max Holloway in 2019. The Jose when he won. Um, and why it is Demetrius Johnson got screwed the year Max won for us. And I was livid because yeah, he beat Jose twice and I was like, okay, it was the exact same fight. Like I could have told you the second one was going to happen because I watched the first one and the same fight occurred and Demetrius Johnson should have done. And to his credit, Casey told me, uh, either on air or off air that, uh, in hindsight, he actually agrees. And he was the one who ended up not like even ranking it and making that all happen. So. DJ got screwed is the point of that. But yeah, like I think this, the fact that he was in the fight of the year presumptively at this point and now has one of the best knockouts of the year. It's not going to win knockout of the year, but this kind of crystallizing moment gets him on the ballot. But 
I personally think Sean Strickland still has the inside track with the major caveat that I think John Jones, should he beat Stipe, is going to get a ton of traction. Probably not with me personally, but the narrative there is so impressive. I think there's a very good argument for him. And uh, if Leon wins, I, I got a lot of... Uh, I got a lot of respect for what Leon Edwards has done this year as well. It's close, but you got to, you know what, you know, what's funny though. No one is talking about, well, no, he can't win it. Never mind. Forget what I was going to say, but I, you know, who's going to be an interesting player in all of this, Alex Pereira, if he beats Yuri Prashka, because he, he's on the wrong end of the knockout of the year in a yes. lot of people's respects. Oh, there's he actually moves another up to person 205 too. moves up to 205 gets a title shot and if he loses the middleweight title in april but then wins two fights including the light heavyweight title in november he is an interesting player in this as well because that's wild man he'll get some votes but it's gonna take a lot to get about, sean strickland out of there man what about pantoja i was thinking about that was a dark well. horse yeah the I, was, brand, I don't know if, he, Moreno, if he comes out and, and you know I I know AK won't vote for him because he's not going to stop the year of the raw dogs. Yeah, so I really, really, we should be talking about can Roy Val sneak in there as the fighter. He's the interesting cause... too, man. He's <laughs> real interesting because he wasn't even really. Problem the, is they like, all have the two. At the end of the year. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, yeah. You really yeah. want someone to have three wins. Even if it's Sean Strickland, yeah. one of them is a boost. It's still a third yeah. one. He, he and he authored one of the upsets of all time. Like it's yeah. He fits the bill so well. But if he keeps like tweeting, I'm a, I'm a dock him just on principle, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know he ain't stopping him. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think I agree. I, I think I still have Sean Strickland, but it might be a 1A, 1B situation right now with me. It, the, the, this finish was just so impressive for me. I need some distance from it to, to fully like put it yeah, in context. Yeah, it's a really weird year. There's a lot of recency bias. And, and, and again, so that's why if you ask me, I would say Islam will definitely make a list somehow. But... I will probably even go back and think about this episode or listen to this episode when I'm doing my year-end fighter. And again, it'll change a lot depending with right. You said John Jones, Pantoja, even uh, Sergio Pettis. He's had a good year. Um, I think he might sneak in there if he if he dominates Patchy or the other way around. Again, Patchy makes the find a spot there. If, Patchy or either of yeah. those two dudes is yep. probably going to make my ballot. The winner I of that fight so. makes my ballot. They both they both had huge years. It's just um, been really odd. Yeah, but there are basically I, no women contenders that are viable. Like wanna, it was Alexa Grasso, oh, and then yeah, you know. if she had won that fight, absolutely. But yeah. like, now it's just kind of weird. Right up, Breno Silva. Oh, never too soon, too soon. Have Again, to guys, too soon, it's too soon. Potentially could have been on a ballot <laughs> for ending the reign of terror of Holly Holm. But guess what? No, she didn't. No contest. Uh, I, I I brought up the recency bias thing because I want to bring up one more point. Sort of, we mentioned John Jones, we mentioned Alex Panetta, and they kind of tie together because. Um, I think one Chris our rankings is people are looking at it as like an all time thing, which it's, it does factor into, like I said, we have DJ number six and part of that is on the strength of what he did before, but he's also still a somewhat active fighter. He still fights in MMA at least once a year. Uh, and he's been, and his recent win, you know, uh, the Adriano Marais, um, uh, series was good for him in the end, like he won the last two fights and it was good for him. Um, so he still ranks up there, but he has dropped because of the, he's less, less active. I think some of the other competition he's facing in one, I would not put up at the level of of uh, some of the North American promotions, to be if I'm being perfectly honest. But he's still he's number six. He's number six in the rankings, still very high. So he's getting some lifetime boost as well. Same with even John Jones. You know, he he comes back, he gets a top three spot just from beating Cito Gone, and it's deserved. But but we are pretty consistent with 
if you're active and you've won recently, then we're going to rank you higher. Makachev's been fighting. Volkanovski's been fighting. Leon Edwards has been fighting. These guys have been fighting over the last two years, fighting high-level competition. So they're going to get good spots. And I mentioned Pereira because Pereira's kind of a screwy case because uh, he's just totally broken MMA math. On our chart, he's number 11. Uh, th- three spots ahead of Izzy, who beat him in their most recent fight, and two spots behind Sean Strickland, who he beat. Middleweight's um, ruined pound for pound. Middleweight's, middleweight's like completely ruined pound for but pound. But somehow, right? eleven. It's, been, it's like, been tough scenes to me. Somehow that feels right because he's he's ahead of Izzy, which is because I mean he won the first fight and then he beats Jan Blachowicz, who was in our pound for pound rankings. I think before Predator beat him, so that's a huge win. Um. And then he, but he's behind Strickland because Strickland beats Izzy. He kind of took Izzy's spot. Izzy was in our top 10. So it doesn't look right. You can kind of shuffle those names around. I don't think you have a wrong answer. But I do think as a whole, to defend our rankings, we are pretty consistent with uh, what have you done in the last like two years, the last two or three years. And that's why John Jones is still three, which is a great spot. But guys, he has one fight. And it's not like he was out with a significant injury. Depending who you ask, depending who you ask and which story you want to follow. He was out because a uh, contract dispute. He was out because he was taking his time off to bulk up to heavyweight. Um, he, of course, he had, didn't want that Dominic Reyes rematch. So. I, I don't know. He has. We know he has. Uh, he had outside the cage legal problems. So this isn't a guy who's just like we had an injury and we had like, oh, that's why he was inactive. He was somewhat willingly inactive, and there has to be a penalty for that. I, I, I'm not saying I don't think he's still the best fighter in the world, but you have to fight to have your spot in our rankings. That's how I feel about it. Also, just like pretty clearly, uh, I'm just eyeballing his resume. He has the Cyril Gone win. Um, and I, Anthony Smith, is Anthony Smith still ranked in our rankings? Yeah, definitely. Light heavyweight, yeah. yeah. So he has those two win over fighters currently ranked in our rankings. But he choked on Machida like seven years ago, Jed. Yeah. And How I can you ignore again, that? How can you ignore again, that? Again, if we are, ta- if we're having an all time, I have uh, thought about pitching an all time GOAT uh, category to the rankings to really just ratchet up uh, the content mile. <laughs> but that's not what this is, I don't think. <laughs> so, like, at some point, your victories fall off. Yeah, we were having the same conversation when John was not fighting and Habib retired because Habib, even in the UFC rankings, was the number one pound for pound fighter after. And then John got real mad about it. Yeah. (laughs) And people were like arguing back because I agreed. Habib at the time was the best. He left as the best fighter in the world. Yeah. Yeah. John's not fighting. So Habib was the best fighter in the world. Like, I, I don't understand why this is such an argument. Also, Goat at that time, John pound lost to Dominic Reyes. Too, yeah, so. Goat is all time. Pound for pound is right this second. And yes. right this second, Islam Makachev is the best fighter in the world. Now, if John Jones beats Stipe and sticks around and beats Sergey Pavlovich and beats Jelton Almeida, we, we can come right back to this conversation and do something a little different. If he starts running off wins against these hungry-ass heavyweights on the way up, great. But he hasn't done that yet. And him beating Gan and Stipe, Stipe also hasn't fought in three years. Like, what are we talking about here? Islam is in the best division beating the best dudes. Now, I understand that he's fighting a lot of the same guys and he's scheduled to fight a lot of the same guys. But the beauty, Jed, as you have said many, many times, which we didn't know if we were really going to get this, not only did Islam get closure, not only do we, does he not have to hear about Volkanovski anymore, now he can fight light. He can fight lightweights. Fight he actual fight lightweights. Lightweight he can fight. Maybe he'll fight Oliver again and whatever. But he's eventually going to fight Justin Gaethje, and he's eventually going to fight Armin Sarukian again. Yeah. And all these 
155 pounders on the come up. You guys want to know a fun fact uh, related to that? <laughs> um, because I agree and I'm super pumped for this to weight class to go back. But um, because of how lightweight has uh, shook out over the recent years, Islam actually currently has more wins over currently ranked lightweights than Volkanovsky does over currently ranked featherweights. Wow. Because he's got he's got Oliveira, he's got the first Sarukian fight, he's got Dan Hooker, who's Bobby ranked Green. Bobby, Bobby Green, Green. Bobby Green in the now. rankings for yeah. us now. Yeah. Whereas Volk just has I've beat Max Holloway a million times over. <laughs> and to his credit, you know, Max Yair Ortega, but that's that's it. Those are the featherweights that Volk has wins so far. So it is uh, I noticed that this week. I was like, this is incredible. Very quietly, Islam has wins over four of our ranked lightweights and five of the UFC's ranked lightweights. It's funny because his, his, everyone crapped on his pre-title <laughs> run, like stretch, the resume, and like that mm-hmm. is starting to age really gracefully well. yes yeah. doing okay and by say, the way, we, are, we obviously we are, we are nitpicking we're talking about fighters this great we are nitpicking right yeah. We, we, yeah. obviously volkanovsky's resume is great john jones beating seal gone is great like we are nitpicking but we're nitpicking because that's what you kind of have to do when you're trying to separate that's how you that, separate that. Well, yeah you just, you know, so one final point and i in mike i'm glad you brought this up because it ties into my final makachev point is after he took the belt at usc 284 i think or 280 or whatever it was i said that no one should be surprised at that point if he ends up breaking the UFC's all-time title defense record for lightweights, just because it's not very much, right? Like it's it's the heavyweight thing essentially, where the record's three. A couple guys have three: BJ Penn, Benson, Habib. Islam's at two now, and we've talked about this before. Like he's either fighting Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje next in some order. So if Islam is going to do this thing that no other 155er has ever done in history, we know the roadmap of what it's going to look like. So just simple question: we don't need to go long on it. I'm just curious for your thoughts. Does he do it? Do you do you guys think that Islam by the end of this will be the number one lightweight when it comes to title defenses? Very easily. I the only way he does not do it is if he gets two three and decides that I don't want to take this from Habib. I don't think that's likely, but I think that there is maybe a five percent chance that he says, "Hey, I'm going to go beat Oliveira or Gaethje, whoever ends up getting the call." I'm at three with Habib. Habib lost this unfairly, and I don't want to take that spot from him. I would like to go pursue the welterweight. Again, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I would set the over-under for him at five and a half. Um, And again, that would not be because I think he is going to lose to a lightweight. That would be because I think if he beats Gaethje and Oliveira, and maybe by that time Sarukian's back up, or maybe Chandler has snuck his way into it, or or who, whomever it ends up being. Uh, I see him beating Gaethje, Oliveira, and then one or two other people before bouncing uh, to pursue other interests up, up a weight class. And just out of the sport, I, I think, like Habib, even had the Abdulmanap tragedy not happened, Habib had, was not going to be long for the sport anyway. I think Islam will follow in that suit and will probably be out of out of the game within two to three years. Pretty much co-signing that. Um, I kind of hope he fights Gaethje first, only because if he beats Gaethje, he's get he's got it. Like no, dist- and a lot of people are like dumping on me for you know the Oliveira slander. I just don't think Oliveira can beat Islam. I just don't. I think stylistically that is a nightmare for him, and even on his best day. 
And Islam's like, Islam doesn't have a lot of bad days, but even if he has the rare off night, he's probably still going to finish Charles Oliveira. He'll find a way to win. So Gaethje's just interesting because it's new and the Gaethje we've seen as of late against Fazeev and against Poirier makes things really, really interesting to me. And then you go back and watch the first round of the Habib fight and you see the success Gaethje had. I don't know, man. Like, I really want to see that fight. And I feel like if Islam beats him, he's going to have the record. Like, he'll fight Oliver and win. And then That's it. is it Sarukian? Is yeah. it somebody else? I don't know. Does he get, does Dariush find his way back into a title fight if he beats Sarukian at the end of that fight? I'm so sad about Dariush. I know. <laughs> that would have been just this such a like, good matchup. Because this is the shit I was saying from day one about all of this. And like, oh, it was cool. And yes, the Volk Islam fight was it's a fight of the year. It's a great fight. But the, I we are never going to get the Darius fight. And that's, I think Darius is the guy I'm the most interested in seeing him beat. Like the guy who I think would have the best chance. I don't think any of them are doing it, by the way. But like, I'm extremely confident that he will defeat Charles Oliveira in the rematch. I was extremely confident in the first one. And he's getting better and that was one of the most one-sided seven minute fights i've ever seen so gaichi maybe could make it fun but gaichi is so um cooked if that fight hits the mat that i don't feel like he's great and like i don't benny is such a good matchup i wish we had gotten gamrot this past weekend let me tell you that takes been aging really well (laughs) seeing because the the Volk rematch didn't deliver in the way like I just want to see him fight these dudes because I think he beats them all but I want to watch it the, it's weird the one guy who I really want to see fight Makachev is Sarukian again um their first fight was a, a clear win for Makachev but you saw you saw this and this was Sarukian's debut I think I think it was oh, yeah. his UFC debut. Yes. and you saw why one people were so high on Sarukian coming to the UFC and why I think even before they fought, we're all saying like, man, we're, we're like, we're, we're going to want to see this one again after. Like we think we know how talented is. We know he's a future champion. He's just not at Makachev's level yet. And he's, you know, he, he's had some, some, he hasn't been, um, I, maybe he hasn't quite looked like that sure, fi- sure thing yet, but he's still pretty young. And I feel like he's, he hasn't even hit that run yet where we're like, and he's had some amazing performances too. And he hasn't hit that run yet. We're like, Oh, this guy's got to fight for the title. Like tomorrow. Like we haven't hit that spot yet. So he's the guy I'm most interested in. So if we're asking like, when do I think, uh, Islam's reign could end assuming he doesn't just uh, relinquish it for whatever reason, as Jed said, maybe he doesn't want, you know, he wants to honor his boy or as we've mentioned on other shows, he goes up to welterweight and just stays there. And, um, there's a lot of ways it could end at three or four tile defenses without him actually losing it. But if I had to pick someone to take it, I really think Surukian's the guy. I hope he fights Gamrat. Hope he fights Gaethje. The Darius fight is a pipe dream. I well, somehow Darius beats Surukian. It gets uh, back on the table. Oh, I guess this is me saying I assume Surukian's going to beat yeah. him. I guess that's well, why. The winner, <laughs> the winner of that fight is immediately the fighter I would like to see fight. Is okay, fair enough. That's fair it. enough. Yeah, not fair going enough. to fight him, but that's the dude. Like that's not, the fight I want. Not Michael Chandler nor Conor McGregor. Hmm. No. Actually, Michael Chandler is actually somewhat interesting. I, I believe Islam will kill him, but Michael Chandler does at least have a nuclear option to bring to the table. Whereas, like, I, uh, I really do not have any faith Justin Gaethje beats him. I just want to see something new. I think Michael Chandler probably has a better chance than Justin Gaethje. Mm. Wow, that's a hot mm. take. 
That's yeah. the nicest thing he's ever said as well about Michael Jackson. That is genuinely the nicest thing you've ever said about Michael Jackson. <laughs> Actually, that's uh, also true. It's how you know it's real. No, but I mean, I'm I'm already on record. I think I think Islam's going to do this. I think he's going to hold this record. He's going to probably push this record higher than like anybody can really get to it. Like this is just such a weird and, and zany division. Like it's so hard to get to three. I think he could get to four or five Shaheen, before we move on. Shaheen, if he if he uh, it's weird because, we you know, we all acknowledge lightweight historically has been the best division for a long time. Um, if he strings together like five, six, seven feels like a lot. I wish he could hit that number. It just feels like a good number. But six, six seven title defenses. He could rise pretty high in the all time pound for pound yes. rankings, right? Oh, like we don't need to do this. Are... Please don't do this. Okay, no, no, no. I like the idea of it. Yeah. I like we the, don't I... need to yet, but AK, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. and if it happens, that'd be exciting. That'd be he so totally exciting. Can. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'll, before we exit here, I would just like to make mention of this because I think it's important. Um, AK may have told a, a fib, not a fib, but he might be incorrect in believing that Sarukian is is the next guy whenever Islam does shuffle this off because there's another man by the name of Nurmagomedov who in a couple of years, oh. he coming. <laughs> like how Usman's coming, boys. <laughs> this, is oh, just, be, this is just Eagle in the May, baby. If that happens, that'll just be Islam doing the Habib and passing the torch to him. <laughs> Dude, if that happens, shouts to Charles Oliveira, who somehow squeezed in instead of just letting them hand that belt down. Because I argued as soon as Habib retired, I was like, dude, just do a four-man tournament with, with Poirier, Gaethje, Oliveira, and then slide slide Islam in as the representative. And if they had done that, Islam clearly would have won the belt. We all saw he slid in. That's great because his career deserves to have that title that he had. Um, and he won't, and it, but it still would have been dope to just be the lint, like the clear lineage of no, it's your turn with the belt. No, it's your turn with the belt. Unreal. Just unreal. We talked about this on the post show, but just that Abdulmanon, yeah. man. Unreal, oh, unbelievable coaching job. For uh, that, Oliveira would be like the 94 95, like Houston Rockets of squeezing in, oh, in the middle like, of MJ. That that is in, a right? Perfect. And all those Bulls, Spurs, Lakers titles. There's a couple of there's a couple of back to back. The, the Hakeem, the yeah. Hakeem yeah. of MMA. I I say the team, I'll say the team itself more, maybe the team itself more, because I, I I think Hakeem, but yeah, same idea, same idea. Hakeem and the Rockets. That's that Charles. That's a perfect analogy. Charles Oliveira being the Hakeem of the lightweight division is is the best analogy we've come to. Uh, I will just say right before break, something for the listeners. This is how how much Jed has reveled and enjoyed this result. <laughs> if you look at our Slack, his like profile picture has been changed to the Islam shushing photo. Now. <laughs> like everyone else has professional photo. photos of like our headshots and such. And then Jed's just sitting there with Islam shushing everybody every time you see him. It's this is who this man uh, is. I've never had a professional. <laughs> photo in my slack so it's fine my photo before was shoni carter from season one or four of the ultimate fighter i applaud you for keeping the volk uh slander to a minimum because this is Dude, aside, aside, aside from post fight for or, your, or victory okay. lapping whatever you want to cut because aside from the post fight i think this is your first show since 294 right? as this I, is. I never had slander for volk i've he's one of the best fighters i've ever seen fight i say right. that every time 
I have slander for some of the things he okay. says. Okay, we, we're not doing this. We're not, we don't need to do this. We nope. do this on I'm every sorry, show. That's my fault. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm moving sorry. on. I shouldn't have brought up. We're have hitting a break. Up. We got a ton more on the other side. I'm just happy that that fighters are going to fight <laughs> dudes in their. You divisions. can't help yourself. You just can't help. It's the best. Lightweights fighting lightweights, featherweights fighting featherweights, and the world keeps turning, baby. We will be right back. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder, wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun. But it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. All right, y'all, we are back. Moving on. The other big result. That led to a bit of a ranking scuttlebutt over the weekend. Hamza Shemaev. Or better yet, this is a segment we're going to call What the Fuck Are We Supposed to Do With Hamza Shemaev? Because y'all, I have no idea. This is someone who we haven't known how to rank for more than a year now. Uh, He's been gone from our welterweight ranking since it became clear that that just wasn't ever happening again. Hasn't really beaten anyone at 185 pounds like Gerald Mearshart. Kind of, that's about it. And now we have this situation where he beats our number two welterweight in a weird fight and may quite literally get a title shot off of it. So we're just left to figure out what do we do with this man? And no one had any idea what to do on the team. AK, you had him the lowest of us four on this show. You had him at number 11 at 185. Mike, you had him the highest of us four. Uh, I think you had him at number four or number six, something like that. I'm number six. six. Yeah, number six. And we had some people on the team just leave him off their ballots entirely. All in all, he somehow ends up averaging out to number 10. So he debuts on our middleweight rankings at number 10. If you look in that area, Cannoneer 7, Vittori 8, Costa 9, Hamzat 10, Brendan Allen 11, Derek Brunson 12. So that's sort of his range. Mike AK, I want to bring you to the best friends of this group into this to start us off. Because you guys landed on complete opposite sides. Did we get this right ultimately and how did you sort of land where you landed with this guy where we just have no idea what to do 
I think 10 feels right, especially where the, so the names ahead of him are Costa Vittori Cannoneer. That's fair. I don't think he gets to take Costa's spot. Um, it sucks. He was supposed to fight Costa. I think he would have ran through Costa. It, it, it's a good, it's a good, uh, you know, it's a good test for him. I think he would have ran through him. Um, and then we would have, and then I could have put Shemaev as high as, uh, I don't know, top, uh, not top five just yet, but I could have put him above Vittori. I could have put him uh, maybe, maybe not ahead of Cannoneer, but certainly a couple of spots higher. But we didn't get to see that. We didn't get to see that. So once again, as we so often are with Kamzat, uh, we're working with the theoretical, right? It's we're just vibes. The, uh, He's a vibes, vibes pick right now. We're, we're, we're kind of, we, you know, if you're going to say it, we're kind of contradicting what we just said about John Jones with the recency. Uh, but with Shamayev, again, he's just, he's an outlier. He's an outlier case. Everything we've seen from him has, for me, again, he's went lower level competition, runs through it, disintegrates it. Elite competition, toe to toe, Gilbert Burns, great fight. Uh, I had no problem with him winning that decision. And and people people look back on that as him like, oh, he couldn't finish Gilbert. That's an awesome fight. They're smashing each other. He took some bombs. He showed a lot of toughness. So all that to me has, has added to his resume. I was eagerly anticipating ranking him again. But yes, I just could not put him past Costa. So he ended up, in, again, a consensus behind some of those uh, more recognizable middleweight names. And in my own, he's right behind Costa. I think I have Costa at 10 and I have uh, Shemayev at 11. So that, that, that was like an easy sort of MMA math thing for me. So the way I looked at it, and, and I'm, I, I guess Shaheen nailed it. Like, what are we supposed to do with this guy? So I kind of thought about if we were tasked to rank him before this fight, like if they're like, if you guys are like, you have to rank Shamayev in middleweight because he's fighting Paul Acosta, where would I put him? I probably would have put him at like three, just sight unseen, just because that's how I feel about his potential. And then this performance happens. And on Saturday, I might have felt a certain way about it, but I've gone back and rewatched that fight a couple of times because I just I had to, to learn more about it. The fact of the matter is, you could say whatever you want about the man, but the wise wordsmith said it best on the Sunday morning column. The man checked off the most important box. He won. He beat Kamar Usman, and he beat Kamar Usman without his fastball, his curveball, and his changeup, he was throwing knuckleballs the rest of the night after that first round because he shattered his hand after Usman DDT'd himself in the first round when Shamayev looked like the greatest fighter in MMA history during that five minutes. So the fact of the matter is that Shamayev, despite only having one hand, despite not having anywhere near his best performance, despite being compromised, still went in there and found a way to beat the second best welterweight of all time. One of the 20 best fighters to ever step foot in the octagon. And he did that without his best. So to me, I couldn't give him the third spot. I can't ding him too much because he just won. He just won. And it's not his fault that he fought Kamar Usman and won. This is a middleweight fight against the one of the 20 best fighters to ever compete and dug deep and won the fight. So to me, he deserves better than most of you gave him because he still won. I don't, and this is, here's my victory lap. I thought the Costa fight was way more interesting. Had this happened in the Costa fight, we might be having an entirely different conversation. So what stinks about all of this is that because he fought Usman and not Costa, we have more questions about him than we have answers and it stinks. So I feel like nice middle ground, put him at number six. I put him slightly above Cannoneer because as, as good as Cannoneer is, and maybe as undervalued as most people have him, 
If they fought on their best nights, I think Hamzat runs his ass over just like most guys he fights. He's just that good. And stylistically, I think it's a really good fight for Hamzat. He just didn't have his fastball, still found a way to win. I didn't want to ding him too much. And you can't ding him because he fought Usman and not Costa because Costa ripped his elbow to shreds at staff. So I think six is a good spot for him. He deserves to be ranked and he deserves to be in the top 10. Maybe I'm a little too high on him, but I think six is a good middle ground for what I was thinking. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you're too high because it's middleweight is so weird right now. It feels like, like you tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like there's like a very clear top tier of five guys, right? Four, if you don't want to include Johnny Amblin, but I include Johnny Amblin. So five for me would, would be Strickland, Izzy, DDP, Whitaker, and Amblin in some order. To me, it feels fair to just say Hamzat's the next tier, right? Like that's, that's sort of where you put him is that number six spot of just like, he's better than the rest of the Vittori, Cannoneer, Brendan Allen type of group, but he's not quite at that elite level because we just haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And he could, pro- he could beat all five of those guys in the first tier, I think. But just we didn't learn enough on Saturday. So, yeah, I think, I, you know what, Shaheen just sold me. Now I feel even better about putting him at number six than I did 45 yeah, seconds ago. That. You should Shaheen, feel fine about that. You, Shaheen, you did a great job selling it. I want to know, why did you hold back, though? Just very well, before you throw to Jed. Why did you hold back? So Jed and I ended up more or less at the same spot. Jed, you had him at yeah, nine, yeah. I had him at ten. And for me, it's just... I, I, I go on vibes sometimes and I go on potential sometimes, but ultimately I still default to resume a lot of times. And it's just like, if your best win in the division is Kamara Usman and Gerald Mearshart, I can't put you above the people who have actually put in the work, even though like hypothetically in a hypothetical vacuum, if you match up Hamzat and Marvin Vittori tomorrow, I know exactly who I'm picking. I know who I'm putting all my money on, but just Marvin Vittori has the wins. Marvin Torrey has the wins in the division and Hamzat doesn't. So that for me, it's just, I can't get there until you give me a body of work to be able to justify it. What about you, Jed? Jed, sounds like you weren't thrilled with the Usman performance. I wasn't. Um, I will say that Sheen also, we are, we're different by one. I've got him at nine. You have him at 10. You also though have uh, Alex Pereira, which I don't. So if you remove Pereira uh, as I have from mine, since he's a two Oh fiver, we have him in the exact same place. Yeah, and you kind of point. summed it up perfectly when speaking on um, on Mike's things. I think there's a tier of five. I had the exact same tier of five. I think there's a tier of four. And that four is Kananir, Vittori, Costa, and then Shemaev I'm now putting in there. And Mike has him at the top of that tier, and I just have him at the bottom. And the reason I have him at the bottom, as AK was kind of pointing out, is, I don't know, um, he got the win, and that's all that matters. But I have a lot more questions today about Hamza Chamayev than I probably had, uh, you know, a, a week ago, because once is an anomaly, twice begins to show a pattern, and maybe there, maybe there are answers for why Chamayev has looked like a world beater in the first round of every single fight, and the two times he has gone past that has looked substantially worse, but they certainly lend towards one similar ex- explanation. And um, over a five-round fight, I don't know that I would pick him to beat Marvin Vittori. I would pick him to win round one, and I don't know, Marvin Vittori is a building, so he's tough to take down. It's, I don't, I am, I believe he could beat any of these people. I am not sold that he would anymore um, when previously I would have been much more sold on this. So, 
Um, I just need to see a little more from him. If that entire fight had played out like the first round did, or had he finished Usman, I would have him much more highly ranked. But because he was unable to, and then really faltered and very reasonably lost the next two rounds, and if it were a five-round fight, may well have lost the fight. Uh, it was hard for me to justify putting him much higher than nine over, like you said, Guys like Paulo Costa, Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier, who have a much more established resume uh, and have wins that merit, you know, respecting. I will say a fight that is now suddenly hyper intriguing to me that I don't actually want to see because it'll rest, mess up sort of like the way that this division is settled right now. But ultimately, I, at some point, I would really like to see DDP Hamzat for me is so deeply intriguing because both those dudes are just complete wrecking balls. And I would love we're gonna to get see that what fight happens. Next, we're getting that fight next year. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to oh, do no. Hamzat Costa. They're going to just do it because Hamzat, they're going to not force him into it. DDP is going to get the Sean Strickland fight. I hope that fight's right. going to be the funniest fight that's ever happened because <laughs> Sean Strickland versus DDP, who previously gassed in four minutes, but now maybe his fixed nose means he doesn't. Fight's going to be incredible. DDP is going to win because he's the best middleweight in the world, I guess. And then we're going to get Shamaya versus DDP. It's going to be funny as hell. It's going to be awesome. I like that reality. I really just want, I, I want to see what happens when two giant wrecking balls just smash into each other full speed. It's going to be great. One other thing too, uh, just the other side of this before we move on. Kamara Usman, like we have no, no one seems to know where this man's going to go, what he's going to do, his next step. No one really knows what to do with him. Is he a, a middleweight? Casey was the only guy on our rankings panel who threw him in at a number 15 courtesy spot at 185. Don't hate it. It's actually one of the more reasonable things Casey's yeah. done in situations in terms of, like this. In terms of Casey takes, <laughs> like that is a very, very low grade take uh, in terms of hot takes. 15? Totally reasonable. I would yeah. have thought he'd thrown his ass at like six. <laughs> I'm just curious for your guys' is feelings on this if Kamaru stays at 185 which there's a chance he does how many of those guys in the top 15 of yours would you favor him to be like where do you where where's his ceiling in that capacity I would pick him against Brunson Imovov Delize not Alaskarov I think Alaskarov it just knocks him out of fighting. Oh, why did I not put Alaskarov in my ranking? Um, I think he would beat Brennan Allen. I mean, those two guys know each other really well anyways. They probably wouldn't fight. I'd pick him against... I think he would have a chance to beat half of these guys. I Him and, him and Johnny Evelyn would be a really interesting fight, honestly. If we ever got it, I would really be intrigued by that one. So I like the way Mike framed that because I spent a lot of time uh, thinking about this. I believe that Kamar Usman could beat any one of these people and um, perhaps somewhat paradoxically, the only one of them I think I would favor him. And I'm not even sure anymore. I would, uh, would be Sean Strickland um, <laughs> because like I, one, I, I think it's very safe to say that Kamar Usman um, is not the fighter he once was. Uh, he's still a very good fighter, but a non, not insignificant part of his game revolved around um, his athleticism. And that's pretty clearly starting to fade. And I don't know how that will transition for him up a weight class as he's getting older and his knees don't work and he can still be very, very competitive. And like I said, I think on any given night, he could beat any of them. 
I, the only one I might pick him over is Sean Strickland. And again, I am really less convinced the more time goes on that I would do that because Strickland's win over Izzy was so impressive. Yeah, I, I I don't know if it was like Usman Strickland, of course, fought a lifetime ago when they're both welterweights. It it almost so long ago, it almost just should like I shouldn't even bring just it up. Discount it from the conversation. But I will, yeah. but I will bring it up because yeah. I think it's hilarious. But uh, yeah, it, if you're talking about an actual matchup, it, you can't look back at that fight because it, it would mean nothing to a to any future matchup. So I I I'd give him a chance to get Strickland. I don't know if I'd favor him. Whitaker, I feel like Whitaker, and I, and I brought this fight up on uh, on the next an one. Awful match for him. I think Whitaker. I don't know. But the one thing I like about Whitaker is that this because I think the size is a big factor in a lot of these matchups. I, that, I know that's not exactly a, a mind blowing take there, but I think like skill for skill, I think like he's a better fighter than Marvin Vittori. I think he's a better fighter than Jared Cannonier. But I think that 15 pound difference between uh, uh, middleweight and welterweight matters a lot. And it's one of the things. And Jed, you mentioned the athleticism. Now that he doesn't have that athleticism advantage, I think that he had over a lot of people with, without that to make up for it. That 15 plus, we say 15 pounds, it's probably more than that, right? On fight night, that 15 plus pounds he might be giving up to guys in middleweight will turn, you know, will make guys who I know he's a better fighter than probably be able to beat, like take decisions from him. So that's why I like a guy more like Strickland, who's not a huge middleweight, um, and uh, Whitaker, who again, like Usman, was what was once upon a time welterweight and even to this day is essentially a middleweight who just doesn't co weight. <laughs> so I'm probably just looking more at the size, size of things. I, I agree, Whitaker's a it would, be, would be favored, I think, in that matchup, but like. I think Usma could win that one too. I actually want to see that yeah. happen next. I want to see them yeah. play. That's that was my call too. Yeah, yeah, I think again, I think you win all of these, but I don't know if he can't take fighters down. And I think that's going to be much more difficult at this weight class. Yeah, yeah, he's still not a great kickboxer, and that's like just going to be a problem. Yeah, when we say he beat like Shamayev in the striking in the last two rounds, it's not like he dominated him. He just did more. He, he jabbed activity. Some, and that yeah, was he enough. did. He just Shamayev did more. Can't, he went like do yeah. anything. So yeah, like, yeah, he couldn't respond. If it was a five round fight at full training camp, I might pick him to beat Shamayev over five rounds, but I also wouldn't feel confident in that. Like Renier de Ritter, who I have ranked, <laughs> I would probably pick him. Like that would be the most confident, I guess, I could be because. Renier is not a man with hands all that well. But. Can, I, uh, can I add, uh, since I don't know if we were, uh, Shaheen, we were going to circle back to this, but you're all, except for my best friend, Mike, uh, you all and all the other panelists who aren't here are cowards for not putting Shemayev above Usman in your pound for pound rankings. You are cowards, sirs. How dare you not just give him his spot? I almost think it. I almost think it's like worthwhile for all of us as an exercise to just completely destroy our pound for pound yes. rankings and just oh redo it God, from yes. scratch. I was heading into twenty twenty four. I already talked do, about this. Yeah, I said I, I. I encourage Jed to do it, but now that you say it, Shane, we should all. I think blow it up. New list yeah. in January. I would love that. In so December, much. we're gonna do that. We're gonna do that. It's a show. That's a I show. Think it just makes sense because that like, should be the that should be the January ranking show. Is live. Us we do doing live, live on the air. <laughs> a live pound, like run off oh. five at a time. Here's my That's first five. So boom, 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 boom. Here's your first five. Or we go ten. Who cares? But I think that is a segment where we all reveal yeah. live on the air what our top twenty new new pound for pound is. Now that we've actually taken the time to go over them, because at this yeah, point, at I, this point, these things are fundamentally broken in a way that is irreparable mm-hmm. with our current state. Like we need to just start from scratch. <laughs> yep, blow it up. Yeah, we'll have we'll table this. We'll table this. We'll give this yeah. some thought. Uh, two quick things left before we're out of here. Uh, we're hitting the home stretch now, fellas, for two thousand twenty three. 
Six UFC events left. One Bellator event, one PFL event, some other stuff as well. So I just want to take a quick look ahead to what's in store. We have each picked three fights that we are most excited about here for, the, for this final stretch of the year. Three fights we both, most have our eyes on. Three fights we really just kind of like, honestly, this is just like, what do you desperately want the MMA guys to keep the grubby little fingers off of? Because like all of this looks so good. And so the only caveat, one title fight only, then two non-title fights. So quickly, we don't need to spend a lot on time with this, but hit me with your list. What are your three over these next two months that you just can't live without? Mike, I want to start with you. I'm going with the title fight, and I'm probably going with the one that none of you have. And it's for the reason we literally just talked about. It is Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. And the reason is this friggin' division has not moved in 18 months since Leon Edwards kicked Kamaru Usman in the face and won the title. This division has gone nowhere. Stagnant. It has gone, it's even gone backwards in some respects because. By the at the moment, Leon Edwards' foot hit Kamaru in the face. We didn't know where Colby was, and in fact, we still don't really know where Colby is. Outside of him showing up to London in March to weigh in for the rematch between Leon and Kamaru Usman, and immediately after, immediately after that fight, Dana White said Colby's next, and we've had to wait nine freaking months for this fight to happen. And it still hasn't even happened yet. And I'm it's, I still believe in the Jose Young's law of fighting. It ain't official until both those guys start walking to the octagon. This fight needs to happen so badly because we need this welterweight division to do nothing. Bilal Muhammad beat Gilbert Burns and maybe the best win of his career. And it meant absolutely nothing. It we meant called absolutely it in the moment. We called nothing. it in the moment too. Yes, it means nothing. Wait, did, it's so stupid. didn't he get to be the backup fighter? Isn't isn't he the backup fighter? He you fought don't even for know. the prestigious backup fighter role. Yes, and well, then he had to watch victory. And then he had to watch Kamaru Usman go fight the guy that he tried to fight so, a million times, but just didn't call for it at the correct times. So this question: is like If something happens year. to Colby, do they gamrot Bilal in the backup fighter role and just find somebody else to put it over him? Hamza, if they give Hamza, they will give jump Justin. in. And challenge for give that Justin, title. Give no, Justin Islam. Gaethje the title that shot. Would be the no, Islam, will get the, Islam will get the shot. Oh, they do, oh, oh God, yeah, they I, do that. I, they'll get the shot. Yeah, that's, the, that's the right answer. Yeah, yeah, to me, it's Leon Colby because this division needs this fight to happen so badly. I don't care about who wins or whatnot, but we got just look at the rest of that card. In fact, I'll even give you one of my other fights. Shafka Rachmada versus Steve Warnerboy Thompson is on that same card. I am really interested in that fight because the whole world seems to think Shafka is just going to kill this man. He might. He might just do that. But Wonderboy's, I think Wonderboy stylistically is going to be kind of interesting for Shafka. So really like that fight. And then my last one, I'm going, you know, I'm being hipster here. It's Matt Frivola versus Benoit Santini. I can't wait for that fight. It's going to be absolute anarchy at Madison Square Garden. Rightfully deserves to be a main card fight. Love that one. And I just want to be different than the rest of you guys. I love it. That's a good one. That's a low-key pick. I like it. I like it a lot. Benoit Santini, I think, AK, correct me if I'm wrong, debuting in our rankings as a Favre. Did he? He's at Favre. Yeah, he appeared on at least I think three or four ballots. I don't. Remember. I definitely I don't had him. enough to. I think I had him at fifteen. But yeah, I, I say I, I bumped him in this week. I'm at thirteen. Talking yeah. about a guy who I I don't I wouldn't get. I'm not saying I would give him a chance, but 
he could he could fight his way to a title shot at some point. Well, hopefully he's lightweight stops getting too. a little screwy now that we get some actual title defenses against lightweights. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I just mean at the back end, Bobby Green being weird is, is Jack. Bobby Green and Dan Hooker getting random wins is it's tough. <laughs> AK, uh, what did, are you did, did at? Mike? Sorry, Mike. You only gave. Did Mike only give two of his picks so no, far? We didn't, we're going one nah, by. I gave out three. I gave out three. Gave three. Okay, oh, sorry, I appreciate you listening to, to everybody. I'm on, guys, it's, I heard this is a good show. And Why do you lose BTL, AK? I'm doing... <laughs> <laughs> Look, can't it's see, AK's I'm doing, day off. It's AK's day off. People can't see. I'm doing laundry while the show is happening. Uh, I'm cooking. He's I'm like making three a mimosas deep, man. Come on. I've got... <laughs> uh, Okay, well, I well the one UFC title fight I picked, uh, kind of for the same reasons that uh, Mike wants to see the welterweight title fight is your I'm gotta go the year for Hachka Alex Pereira vacant light heavyweight title fight. Like this division has been so cursed, and how funny would it be if Prochka beats Pereira and we just end up with Pereira uh, Prochka, excuse me, just winning the light heavyweight title that he really probably didn't need to vacate in the first place, right? Like I know he was out for a while, but it was weird from day one when he he did the instant relinquishing of the title because you thought like okay maybe he's injured he takes some time off they do an interim belt instead we ended up with two vacant title fights uh one which didn't crown a champion which one one which gave us a champion that only lasted for a few months before he got injured and then after all that uh it could just end up on on yuri's around yuri's waist again so it would be weird but also fitting again he's the champion who never lost he's been number one in our light heavyweight rankings this whole time and then if Pereira wins, I don't know what the F we're going to do. And then talk about pound for pound being broken. Thank God we're resetting in January because I don't know. I wouldn't honestly wouldn't know what to make of it. Uh, and that's just a great fight on paper. Uh, I also cheated. I picked a Bellator title fight. Sheen, I know you just cheating. said one title fight. Well, he said one title fight. Oh. I, I was no, in my I mind. like one, one UFC one. title fight. So that's, that's what yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah, I think we all like looking ahead to uh, what could be the final Bellator card. What probably is the final. What is the final Bellator card. Uh, Jason Pettis, Jackson? Mix. Jason Jackson. No. Oh. Sergio Pettis, Patchy Mix. I'm not saying the guy who wins this fight is the best bantamweight in the world. I will stop short there. Uh, they'll certainly probably land in the top three. I think some people have oh, pretty definitely. highly already have definitely. Sergio Pettis or Patchy in there or, or Patchy above Sergio. It's, it's actually pretty even if you people look at our, our uh, rankings. Um, some people have Patchy head. Uh, and I would give them either of these guys a shot to beat anyone in the ufc sean o'malley aljamain sterling marab these guys are so damn good sergio pettis of today is not the sergio pettis that lost to rob font all those years ago he's a he's he is much improved so i love that fight and of course uh mike mentioned chaos at madison garden how about chaos at t-mobile arena when tony ferguson fights god Patty i hate guys, you this so is, much i hate and you Patty so Pimblet, wins and somehow after a series of injuries and and ufc 294 level withdrawals somehow ends up being the next person to challenge islam makachev oh i you know what what a a delicious sign (laughs) me up sign me up because that would be oh my god that would be as lopsided of a title defense as you will ever see we're uh, we're so far from this fight. I'm so scared something's going to happen to one of these guys, and they just won't be able to make it. I need. I I wrote it. You know, we were doing a look ahead uh, roundtable a few weeks ago, Shaheen, and I said, literally, of all the fights, if I have to pick one fight, I want to stay together. I this is the one fight I need. All the title fights, great, but if any of those change for whatever reason, I can live with myself. I need to see this fight. I made this fight happen. I need to see what happens in reality. I will never forgive you. I- for any of this and you shouldn't 
And you shouldn't. <laughs> uh, that's hey, look, you're staying true to yourself, AK, and that's that's the most important thing. Um, I am shocked that I will be the first uh, to have this one. So not the first one. The first one, uh, I agree with AK. My number one with the bullet, uh, it's it's Yuri Alex. It's the fight I need. Oh yeah, than an air. Um, I just can't do it. Um, but it's just, just gotta have it. This is all that is. Uh, I will then add that if I knew we could cheat and pick Bellator title fights, then I probably also would have picked, uh, the Knicks Pettis as my number two, but left that off because I thought we got one title fight and very clearly one title fight that I need in my life. Number two. Oh yeah. Jed Mishu noted, noted rule follower, Jed Mishu. I do follow the rules when the rules are explicitly stated. Um, but I, you know, <laughs> I didn't realize there was wiggle room there. Uh, my next one, and I'm unclear if this is going to end up being a main event. I kind of think it, it should be, and I think it might get there. I think it will. I know what you're uh, going to say, and I think it will. Are you? Because I don't know how we went this far before we went Benny Darius, Sharman, Sarukian. Oh, yeah. Um, if that's a main event, that... On if that's a five round main event, honestly, that gives Yiri Alex a run for money for me. Three round fight, less certainly less appealing uh, than it being five. But again, I, I said at the top of this program, the winner of this fight is the guy I most want to see challenge for the lightweight belt. Won't get to, but the guy I most want to see fight um, the wonderful is a mock Jeff. So that's my number two. Number three, I went curveball. I thought about both of Mike's other picks as well, but then I, like Mike, decided eh, people will probably pick these ones. Let me let me be a little more um, interesting. And I went PFL. Went with my boys in the PFL. Uh, I want to see the return of Kayla Harrison, taking on Julia Budd, coming off oh. her first career loss. Julia Budd, one of the very few women in that promotion who, like, we kind of knew that this fight would eventually happen. There's some buildup there. It's not going to be as it's not going to be nearly as fun as Frivola, Benoit Saint Denis, or whatever. But I am interested in Kayla Harrison's return, and so I decided to mix it up a little. Don't hate it. Don't hate it. A little surprise, but don't hate it. Well, the rest of the PFL fights are rat garbage, you know, like chest. No, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Uh, but for me, I mean, I'm going to make it a party. I'm going to make it a Yuri Alex party because. You could you could literally just erase every fight remaining on the MMA schedule in the entire world as long as I can keep that one. I'm happy. I'm fine. Dude, that is the one fight that I need to see. Are we all in agreement at least that that is pretty much the only fight that is has a realistic shot of knocking off fight of Makachev, the year? Uh, yeah, Makachev Volk one for fight of the year because I. I mean, maybe Leon and, and Colby could do something, but that seems really unlikely. Whereas I would put it like 25% shot. The prayer Yuri just leads to some zaniness that rules because it's Yuri and Yuri's insane and awesome. And it's Alex who's also insane and awesome. Like it's just, it's, there has not been a more perfect fight booked in the history of fighting. I cannot I think, wait for that fight. I think if that fight ends and it's, it hasn't taken fight of the year, then uh, we can, we can start the engraving. We can start engraving Makachev. We can start writing one. the column for sure. Yeah, we can yeah. start getting that piece together. You know, maybe not published, but we can start getting it prepped. Uh, I I like you, Jed. I also had Saruki and Daryush as mine as well. I mean, that's just 
That is sensational. That is the lightweight division at its best. That's why this is the best division in the whole damn sport. Is you can have a, a matchup like that that's kind of just like flying under the radar, and yet it's so good. Uh, and then I'm a little surprised that no one else mentioned this, but for me, Ian Gary uh, and Vicente Luque, like, I don't know. I'm really it's intrigued. Gonna, probably going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Or, or Gary's going to boop him real fast. I don't know. Or we'll Luque have knows what how happens. to make it wild. Or we'll have what happens when teammates and friends say they're going to fight and then actually that. fight. It's been a oh. tough year for that exact scenario, hadn't yeah. it, Mike? Yeah. I mean, I feel look, like we had a few instances of that being awful fist fights i think low-key gary's too much of a dick for that i think like he's wow. actually trying to hurt vicente wow. i think he's trying to hurt vicente in like a way that's like clear i catch a lot of crap for for the way i talk about fighters i've never fired out a i think he's too much of a dick no no like in a good way though like in a, in a way no i mean it in like a way that you want a fighter to be mean like Ian's a mean dude when it comes to his opponents. Like he was out here wearing mugshot shirts for Jeff Neal, who's like the nicest guy in the world. Like I think, yeah. I don't know. I just think Ian Gary's I hope you're right. Try and to do something here. I'm cautiously, I, I am cautiously optimistic, but I am still somewhat cautious because we've seen this too many times that every time this has happened this year, it has been awful. So hopefully this is, <laughs> this changes the narrative. That's the uh, new year. Say, the, the worst fights featuring teammates fighting each other. <laughs> People are going to think we hate John Jones after this podcast because it's just that it's Steve Bay. I mean, none of us. It's Steve Bay, man. It's the, it's the goat of all time. He was fighting Tom Aspinall. If he was fighting Sergey Pavlovich, that would be my number one. Oh, oh, people are going to think we hate, we hate John Jones. No, okay, it would be my number two. I lied. It would be my number two. And we're only allowed one title fight, so he never had a chance. We hate John Jones. It's just that it's Steve. Sorry, America. It's just that it's I'm sorry, America. To me, that doesn't. Oh, Steve who we hate. I truly don't know who that fight is for. <laughs> it's for John. I don't. It's for John. Yeah, other than for John and Stipe, like I get it's for them, but like I don't know who. If who that is the end cares? of the John Jones heavyweight experience, that he just comes in and trucks Cyril, who has no wrestling, and then beats Stipe, who's very old and is very inactive, and that's the end of the John Jones experience, like that is so supremely disappointing to me that that's what that amounted to. It would be this quite fight, funny. This fight is for the UFC. This is for the UFC because they are going to spin the crap out of this. And Dana, like, and Dana's doing for once, Dana is being a promoter. This is the best fighter of all time against the greatest heavyweight of all time. And while those things are probably true, they're also way past their prime. Stipe Vichich at that, as far as UFC heavyweight, Stipe is probably the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time as of right now. Yeah, he UFC heavyweight. Yeah. yeah, I think that's objectively undeniable. he is. I think that's yeah. undeniably yeah. true. Yeah. Right. And that's how you'll play it. And by the time we get to the fight, it will be the headline of the entire card. Like you on the preview show, we'll be like, screw that. If one fight could be lost, like make Yuri and Alex the main event, we'll be looking more forward yes. to that fight and the chaos that entails. But when John Jones is making that walk at MSG, everyone and their mother, us on the watch party, we're going to be like, oh my God. And that's how we felt about the Cyril fight. Like we got in there and we kind of felt like John's just going to kill him. But the fact, as soon as he started walking down to the octagon and we saw big-ass John Jones, heavyweight frame, making that walk and you hear, God gave me style. It's like a different vibe to that man. Like, you you may not be interested, but by the time he makes that walk, you become interested. Sure. And that's what John, John brings to the table. Yeah, still John Jones, has got to do the same thing. So. What is the rest of this card, though, man? Jeez. It's a great one-two punch. It's got the star power up the top, and then it's got the freaking 
banger for, for rolling BSD, it. and that's, and that's a great. three fight card. Hey, Diego Lopez says, "How dare you?" Diego Lopez being on that featured spot is well deserved. This guy yeah. might be the rookie. Diego this Lopez guy is, is a terrific undercard fighter. I'll tell you what, <laughs> he doesn't need to be on my pay per views right now. I'll make. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna make a thing right now. If Diego Lopez beats Pat Sabatini, he is my rookie of the year. Oh, so while you're making. While you're making things for Diego Lopez, how about you make him a Wikipedia page? Because he ain't even got that, and he's about to be on the UFC 295 main card. Come on, man. Uh, you, need you, need three, you need three UFC fights to get a Wikipedia page, uh, Jed. Oh, is that the standard? Is that true? I don't know. I saw someone's... Obviously, there's exceptions. Like There's guys who... I think like Yuri had one as like first UFC fight, you know, because he had Rise and stuff. Uh, maybe three with a major promotion. Someone... I, I could... One, I could be making this up. Entirely possible. Uh, I do this all the time. Two, I swear I saw someone on a forum somewhere or something say that this was like, on, maybe it's on SureDog forum or, or Wikipedia. Was both I, was, like, I was reading or Wikipedia notoriety guidelines or something. And I have no it life. It could be made up, no but also yeah. like, I'm not willing to argue the point. It's pretty yeah. consistent. I, I love that the source is someone from a SureDog forum. That's that's very uh, possible. That's that's lovely. That's you cut out like the last 12 minutes of AK in this podcast. It's crazy. <laughs> I get my news. <laughs> This is day off AK. This is when we get on AK's <laughs> day off. I'm, I'm loose. You want, all, you, I'm you, saying, <laughs> all I'm saying is Matt Schnell and Steve Ersig are like two top 12 flyweights. And you're mm-hmm. putting Diego Lopez, Pat Sabatini on this main card. The best player doing? coach. Yeah, he's the best player coach in MMA right now. Ooh, I, I, do you have a burner? Because I have gotten that exact question the last four weeks for the mailbag column. Is Diego Lopez the best player coach? <laughs> I love this so much. I don't understand. <laughs> it's a heck of a morning listener. It's a heck of a morning listener. For sure. For sure. I think it's Mike Heck with a burner. No, that's what I got in <laughs> Heck of a Morning. And plus, you get a lot of those questions because even though I tell people on Heck of a Morning, like, just ask one question or just do two quick ones. I have people talking for like seven minutes and they'll ask 11 questions and then like somehow get up some somewhat upset that I can't answer all 11 questions. So you get the remainder and it works out great. But yes, the player coaching is interesting. Fully <laughs> uh, off the rails, boys. That's where we are right now. Hey, Good it night, works everybody. out. I, I, fo- <laughs> I, I very much want to investigate further the, the question of Mike Heck's potential burner phone account and what is on this Twitter account and what else he's asking. But uh, we, we can move on. Out. We can move on. I we can't can wait offline. Well, you may or may not get next week um, is Hamza Chimaev the sixth best middleweight in the world. If you get oh. that question, then we really I would not at all be surprised if I got that exact question. <laughs> Uh, all right, fellas, let's close it out with how we do on this show. We're going to pour some out for some names that are, are leaving us some names that have left the rankings this past cycle. We've got three major ones, uh, one real major one. And first we'll start with Patricio Pitbull. He is now gone from the pound for pound ranks. He had a really, really good run there. He was for a long period of time. He was Bellator's highest fighter. Uh, on that on that pound for pound ranking, he is no longer there with us. I am sorry, Patricio, but you, you lasted a really long time. You got to win fights. You yeah. got to win fights. Congrats sorry to him to say, for, for lasting as long as he did. Frankly, uh, also Askar Askarov gone from flyweight due to inactivity. Man hasn't fought in a very long time. And then the big one is someone who's fighting in a couple months, but Colby Covington has officially reached the threshold for inactivity. He has not fought in a very long time at this point. So whenever that fight does happen, Colby Covington for us will be unranked. Thoughts, fellas? It felt good in a weird way to take Colby out. Um, 
not nothing for i mean not just because I, mean, I mean i'm not a fan of the man's personality or what have you even putting that aside uh i one of the one of the things we get in a lot of our again i'm the one guy who reads the comments and all these things i don't know why i'm sick we get a lot of why is this person still in there they haven't fought in so long why is this person still in there they haven't fought in so long even though we've made it pretty clear like it's an 18 month cutoff and colby definitely got a lot of that especially before the the edwards fight was actually booked there was a lot of why is covington still in here it's like he never fights anymore so at least now it's like you know what people you're not crazy you're right he has not fought it's been over 18 months so we had to take him out it's a little the timing's a little silly because yes he'll be back i doubt uh if he loses he'll be back in the pound for pound rankings i can't imagine why he would be but he'll he'll land back in welterweight i think i think (laughs) he'll he'll land in my list jed i don't know about i don't know about you sir Look, I'm glad you brought this up, AK, because uh, I was yeah, going I to. You if be. you hadn't teed that up, I was sure going <laughs> to smash it home nonetheless. Fellas, um, I feel like we've had a similar conversation before, but I'd like to like to read you something very critically important. And no, it's not Mike Sperner, which I have found. Um, we can get into <laughs> no. that off air. I've, I've discovered it. Um, it's not true. But Colby Covington, <laughs> um, it is, as we speak, October of 2023. In the past five years, feels five feels like a good number. It's, it's, it's half a very decade. generous number. Half a decade, you know. It's a half decade. Um, you know, if you had a child at the start of this, that child would be going to school and saying words and developing, you know, thoughts about the world. Um, that's that's longer than John Jones sat out. So we're it's a good chunk of time. In that chunk of time, Colby Covington's resume reads as follows. A win over Rafael Dos Anjos, a career lightweight who then was at welterweight, but now is kind of doing weird stuff uh, and also hadn't done much. Robbie Lawler, retired. Kamar Usman, a loss. Uh, we all know where Usman is. Tyron Woodley, retired. Kamar Usman, a loss. And Jorge Masvidal, retired. That is Sterling. not the resume of a person who deserves a ranking in this weight class if he loses to Leon Edwards. It simply is not. If he loses to Leon, I don't care if it's a competitive fight, if it's a robbery, (laughs) I ain't ranking him. I am happy. I will be thrilled to rank him if he gets a win because then he will have a win this decade over a current relevant welterweight. But he does not have a win this decade over a current relevant welterweight. So if he loses, I don't care if he loses in style. A loss is a loss, my guy. And other people in this weight class are doing stuff. If you want to get ranked, win this fight. And if you don't care, then that's fine as well. But I'm standing on this corner forever. I have a question. I think everybody listening around the world has the same question. What if it's a draw? Oh, um, if it's a draw on principle, I'm probably going to remove Leon from my ranking. Just <laughs> take them both out. I'm just burn welterweight to the ground because I won't even know what to do. If it's a draw, uh, that's still not a win. So he still doesn't get a ranking. You got to beat somebody within the past 10 years, 10 years. We talked about how Islam had wins that aged well. I'm like, Ooh, actually some of these wins aged really well. And look at it. No, Colby's wins are <laughs> all people who are retired. Look at the list of fighters. Mike Pyle is retired. 
Yeah. I, I assume Max Griffin's retired. I don't know what he's been doing lately. If he's not, Brian Barberina is probably the best win. Yes. Dead, but they're, they're retired because he beat them so wow. badly that they never that they never fought again. So Damn, uh, I mean, Damian Maya retired. Dongan Kim retired. Robbie he retired. He retired them. Now you got to give him credit for that. He retired Jorge Masvidal. That's the only yeah. dude he retired. This is true. Actually, I guess you, maybe he retired Woodley. Did he? Uh, I don't. Didn't, I'm pretty sure. No, 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 no. Jake Paul, Jake Paul retired Woodley. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Luke retired Woodley from MMA. So, like, it's just, I don't know, man. When your best win, like, the, the most relevant guy you've got a W over is Brian Barberena. And I like Brian Barberena, but come on. That's tough scenes. On, That's tough. On. So, you're ranking the, because look, you speak glowingly about Sadabusai. Like, no one speaks higher of Sadabusai. <laughs> not even Eric, not even Eric Nixick speaks about Sadabusai as, as highly as you. I'm do. sorry. I've watched him fight. He, it is a, it is a struggle every time he steps in the cage. So, you're, you're here to say into a live podcast, into a live microphone that if Colby Covington loses a splitty in one of the best fights of the year to Leon Edwards, you are going to rank Sadabusai higher than Colby Covington. That's yeah. what you're saying into a well, live microphone. Well, that depends. Right if Sadabu Sai loses to Magomed Magomed Karamov, which he probably will do, um, then I won't. It won't matter because Magomed Magomed Karamov will take the ranking that Sadabu Sai currently has. But look, Sai's got seven wins in a row. Like even if they're mostly awful to watch, except <laughs> He's for that one people. He's fighting Except real people. Who is this? He is fighting warm yeah. bodies and beating them. You got to win, and that's. That matters. So look, I love we talk guy. about it all the time, how hard it is to consistently win fights against at live opposition. And Colby hasn't done that. So no. Jed, I have to say, I'm very impressed right now. You started, you started this whole tangent. I was not at all anywhere close to being with you. And I'm still like, not now that we finished it, but I, I'm you, you, Nudged me a little bit. Sadamusai has sense. four wins. Not as crazy as you maybe have seemed initially. Sadamusai has four wins since Colby Covington last fought. <laughs> like four wins since he last fought. <laughs> Come on. I love. By the way, I respect this take a lot, but I I have to make sure that you're that you're really going to do this. So I have to ask the follow ups to make sure you're actually wins. going to do this. Okay. Oh God, I respect these questions, but thousand percent. I'm not. I'm done giving Colby Covington credit for losing competitively to Kamaru Usman. We're just, we're past that. Get a W. Feel, Fight somebody and get a win. Okay. I feel so happy right now. I, I know, look, you can do it because I'm just, I'm going to say exactly this is echoes of my case not to rank Henry Cejudo. I feel so good about everything Jed is saying. I support it. Jed, you are, you are on the right path. Of course this is the you right do. You're, you're the guy who went on BTL and, and, advocated for spite drug testing of course you're gonna do spite <laughs> I rankings don't too i, I mean so I don't clear ak also nailed it as they went to connor's yacht and got <laughs> yeah, him twice like the day wrong. after that happened yeah. Yeah. he's not wrong wow <laughs> this is this is some segment not only did they go to his yacht and get him twice they also released a press release essentially throwing him under the bus and saying connor yeah. was probably taking steroids so ak was on the <laughs> we're, we're divorcing the ufc because connor's on steroids it's incredible Golly. But hey, guys, Bud Light's back. Shaheen <laughs> uh, is now an okay time to mention one other gentleman who was not in our rankings, but we are essentially saying goodbye to forever. Sure, hit us. Uh, I, I messaged you before, but uh, Musasi. Uh, the great Gagarin Musasi was not, has not been ranked for some time. Um, neither pound for pound, of course, nor in the middleweight rankings. But we had, he was a Favre. 
he was a Favre on more than one ballot, but uh, oh, I can I guarantee you, I could I could spike who's putting that man in. <laughs> There's three people. Well, you know, I was one of them now, and who were the other two? Steve, uh, Stephen, and Casey. Ass- I would assume Stephen and Casey. Oh well, I was gonna. I wanted Jed to guess, but you were yeah. right. Yes, you would have gotten it correct. Oh, I yeah. guessed. Stephen I didn't Casey. know. I, I was just doing. That oh yeah, any any of you. I yeah. would have bet my life. Casey was one of them. <laughs> I would have bet my actual life. Uh, yeah, I had no problem having him on there, but I had him at number fifteen behind Fabian Edwards, who recently beat him, and then I put Shamaya back in. So that number fifteen spot, it's got to get bumped out, and uh, Masasi a victim of the numbers game. So he's out. This is a first time since we started doing these rankings. Musasi will not appear on a single ballot, and uh, I sincerely doubt that's going to change. Uh, He'll—I I don't think we'll see him back in the rankings again, and uh, it's it, that that hurts me. I lo- I'm a huge Musasi fan, and that really hurts me to to know that we he are had a terrific career for 25 incredible. years. So incredible, whatever. incredible. He's still fighting. It's like he's not retired. He's just—he's just not getting back in any rankings. I don't think that's all. I do have a question related to this before we exit as we kind of look ahead to 295. No, I don't believe any of us are picking this. What happens if Stipe wins? Because I think if he wins, he retires. How do we rank him if he wins and retires? Then we, we don't, don't rank him. We don't? Is that what we do? We just don't rank him? So we're, well, I'm, he, just, I'm just making sure we're establishing this. I didn't know. We can we can talk about it off air. Maybe there's it feels a, like we should at least throw yeah. him for like one ranking. Maybe cycle we give him like, one hey, ranking cycle. W. Yeah, we give him the honorary yeah. Habib, get the one ranking cycle, and then kick yeah. him out. Yeah, I think we, we can figure it out. To. We'd have to I because just, John Jones. Let's say he doesn't retire. John's definitely then, retiring. <laughs> but no, no. Let's say he. Let's say he doesn't. Then what happens? Then it's like suddenly our guy. Like you can't keep Jones at number one, right? Because he just lost to a guy. Well, who Jed retires, doesn't have him at number one anyway. Well. So. Don't get him started. Gee, no, don't get him started. We're almost out of the Don't get him started. It's a worthwhile conversation. We can we can talk about it. it is, we'll yeah. figure something out. Yeah, yeah. There's we'll no there. way we'll Steve Bates gonna retire in the center of the octagon. Even if he does retire, he's not gonna do that. That's a great point. That is a great, great point. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we, so he Steve will be if you, yeah, if he'll you get right. This off man, retire in the center of the octagon. He's gonna try it's never gonna get better for him. Dude, get that rematch and get that bag guy. Yeah. And then go. I don't need to see this fight again. Please, God. I'm shutting this down. End the show. I don't want to. Well, that was the MMA Fighting Ranking Show, everyone. We appreciate you for joining us. As always, uh, it's a fun one today. It's we got a fun stretch ahead, guys. I mean, we got Francis and Gunn, Tyson Fury this week. Francis and Gunn, who might be the new number one heavyweight in boxing. By the time we are back in this space, who knows? Let's go, baby! Then we got Jailton Almeida week. Very exciting. And then, of course, the big one out there in MSG. Hell of a stretch in front of us. I can't wait for it. I appreciate you fellas for joining us today. And you guys out there for listening to us. We love you very much. Keep it locked to the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. We've got tons of Nganu Fury content coming this week. And then, of course, the big ones after that. We love you guys. For Jed Mishu, Mike Heck. Co-captain Alexander Kaylee. I'm Sean O'Shotty. Talk to you later.
Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.